starting at verse one. Then was Jesus led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and glory of them. And he saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus one more time, Jesus responds to Satan with scripture. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. One more verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Take heed lest he fall. And we're gonna preach for a few moments this morning on lest he fall, lest he fall. Why don't you pray with me real quick before we are seated in the presence of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's already here, what you've already done in this service so far. We come before you with an expectancy and faith that you are going to continue doing greater works in this service, Lord. We pray that you touch each and every heart that is in here, Lord, and prepare us for the word, that it may bring forth fruit in our lives, that it may challenge us, convict us, Lord. I pray that you will, that you will speak through both your logos and your rima this morning for the betterment of your church, and we pray it and ask it all in thy name's sake. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. I've got good news. God has granted us salvation. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and you have, have, have had the evidence of speaking in other tongues as that initial sign and you've been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus, you possess salvation. We are so thankful to God that he gave us a plan of salvation, that we can escape this world, we can escape the, uh, a future that is not in heaven, and we can have peace and live with him. And if you've never experienced this, well, today is literally the perfect day for you to have that experience. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you do not have to leave this service the same way that you came in here. You do not have to go to work tomorrow the same person that whenever you left Friday or Saturday that you were. You do not have to be the same. You can have your life changed forever this morning. You can experience something that will never leave you nor forsake you, and that's the Spirit of God. Salvation is interesting in the fact that um, while it's not every single case, but salvation itself can happen pretty quickly. Uh, it can happen in a moment. For example, if you have expectancy and faith, you can be filled with the Spirit today, and you can be baptized in the name of Jesus today before you leave the service, and we can have it all done in an hour. You know, it, it can happen pretty quickly uh, in that case. However, I found that from this, what we call the new birth, which is being filled with God's spirit and being baptized, from that, that new birth, that day one, you can say, all the way till the day we leave this world, it's usually much longer than that uh, initial experience. And that, that time period between uh, being born again to, to leaving this world, to dying one day, that is usually where we struggle and, and you know, have some, have some you know, encounters and, and some struggling and some suffering. It's usually in that period that we all encounter something 
And uh, that's a period that a lot of us are in. And in this time, we all encounter temptations, just as Jesus did in the story we read. Uh, and most likely, we, well, we do. In the world we live in today, we experience temptations daily. Whether they be temptations from our flesh or temptations from the world or perhaps temptations from the adversary, we all face temptations. We are all equal under the fact that we all face temptation. There is always something that wants us, that wants our attention. Whether that be us or the adversary, as I said, we all face it. In the passage of scripture we read in Matthew chapter 4, we find where Jesus himself was tempted. He faced a series of temptations, yet Jesus remained perfect through all of them. I wish, I wish I could say that. I'm sure a lot of us wish we could say, you know, I've been tempted, but I was perfect. Not quite. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, tells us a little bit about this. For we do not have a high priest, who is Jesus, who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus has a perfect record, is what this is saying. He's never lost a battle. He is, you know, a thousand and zero, never, never lost. And we need to understand kind of how significant this is whenever we understand who Jesus actually was. Jesus was fully God, yet he was also fully man. We know that the same God who created the heavens and the earth from the beginning of time was the same God who wrapped himself in flesh and he came to live among us and dwell with us. We know that same Jesus was also a man, it said in our scripture in verse in chapter 4, it said that he was hungry. He had been fasting 40 days. He was hungry. And it said that Jesus got hungry. There's times where he got tired. Jesus felt emotions. If I told you to quote a scripture right now that was, you know, for a million dollars, a lot of you would say Jesus wept. And um, it's because that is easy to remember, but it's also a sign of a deeper significance that Jesus was, was man. He felt emotions. Jesus wept because he felt things just like you feel things. Jesus knows your experience with loss. He knows what pain feels like. He knows what heartbreak feels like. Jesus felt all of those things, and he had a temptation as well because he had flesh, and he had to resist just like me and you, like we have to resist. The difference is, though, that Jesus never lost a battle. He, he, he always won, even against his flesh. Jesus never lost. And he gave us an example of how we should face the never-ending wave of temptations that we are thrown at every single day, and especially in this time. You're, you're not going to go anywhere without facing temptation. As long as we have phones in our hands, you're never going to escape it. You're never going to get away from it. As long as we have to deal with people. You know, we love people. I love you. But sometimes people are difficult, and we know that. You know, you've experienced that. There's always going to be temptation. So let's look and see what Jesus, what Jesus exemplified and how he defeated temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. First thing to note is that Jesus did not walk after his fleshly desires to seek and fulfill what his flesh wanted to do. Jesus was tempted in the flesh like we are and our First Corinthians 4.15 that we read said that, but Jesus did not walk after his flesh. Jesus walked after the Spirit. While Jesus was growing up and going through his teenage years, his young adulthood, all the way to the age of 30, sometimes we forget that Jesus was a teenager, and Jesus had temptations just like teenagers have temptations, so don't think you're along our student ministries. Jesus experienced it himself, but we know it's undoubtedly true that he faced all kinds of temptations, as it said, and there were many times that Jesus had to have a fight with his flesh and deny his flesh so that he could remain perfect, so that he could remain the, the perfect sacrifice for us. 
Paul speaks of walking in the spirit, not after the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. This I say, then walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which Jesus did. And for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Paul is telling us here that, that whenever we walk in the flesh, we're going to do things that the flesh wants to do. When you satisfy your flesh consistently, don't think that you're going to have the self-control to tell that Big Mac no. It's just not going to happen. When, whenever there's no discipline, you can't expect it just to happen one day. And Paul is telling us here that, that whenever we walk in the Spirit, we mind the things of the Spirit. When we are so consumed and saturated with God and his spirit, that's when our mind shifts. And we're no longer looking at the world, looking at, you know, what can I do to satisfy my flesh? It's what can I do to satisfy God? Paul also tells us that the carnal mind is enmity against God, which means that our flesh, our, our, our carnal mind, our flesh is literally contrary to God. It is against the spirit. Don't you wish you could get away from that for a little while? Get away from the flesh for a little while. But you can't because there's a constant war raging on within us every single day, a battle between the spirit and the flesh. Yet Jesus overcame this battle and he walked in victory through the spirit. He showed us the way to victory. He showed us the path to walk that we may live holy and acceptable lives unto God. Paul, who was adamant about the battle between the flesh and the spirit, he understood that this battle was one that we would never escape until we leave this earth. Paul echoed Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15 whenever he said, I die daily. This was an echo of Jesus telling his disciples in Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Paul and Jesus both told us that this fight was a daily fight that required daily warfare. I said this not too long ago as well, but you will never ever pray a prayer strong enough that you're just going to be delivered from temptation for the rest of your life. And if you figure it out, let me know. Um, but that's why whenever Paul was at the end of his life in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, he says, I have, no, chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, that sounds good and all, but you got to realize there's a deeper meaning there. What Paul is saying is that I have fought the fight. I have dealt with all the temptations of this world. I have dealt with all the suffering that can come with it. And I have finished the course. I did not leave. I kept the faith. I held on to the doctrine. And I never, never, never fell to the point that I couldn't get back up and follow after Christ. It means so much to Paul because he, is, because he recognized that there is a battle that he has to fight every single day. And Paul is getting to the end of his life where he no longer has to fight that battle between his flesh and the spirit. And he's getting to a place where he's almost, where he'll never experience again, he's almost in victory. He's almost there. And he's saying, I have fought a good fight. We must, like Paul, must strive to say that at the end of our lives that we have fought a good fight. We must die to our fleshly desires and wants in order to follow after Christ and remain blameless before him. Just as Christ was crucified on that cross, we must also crucify our flesh by denying it. Paul in 2 Timothy 2 and 11 said, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If you want to live with him one day, it starts with dying down here. It starts with dying down here. A life of spiritual discipline is required that we may be like Christ and stand strong through temptation. Jesus was led into the wilderness and he had fasted 40 days 
and 40 nights. Jesus was able to deny his flesh because he practiced spiritual discipline. We know that Jesus was disciplined because he just fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And that requires an insane amount of discipline and power from the Spirit. We, we find many accounts of Jesus praying all throughout the Scripture. Sometimes alone, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes he prayed all night. Jesus was never too busy to pray because he understood spiritual discipline is important. No matter what the schedule looked like for Jesus, he always made time to pray. Why? Well, let's look at John chapter 17, verse 19. This is Jesus. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. I consecrate myself. I separate myself. I discipline myself is what this word is saying here. That they also may be sanctified through the truth. Jesus lived a life of discipline to show us that we may live a life of discipline. That we may walk in the footsteps of Jesus we must strive to be like Jesus and make time to pray, make time to fast, make time to live disciplined lives because without so, we are not standing on anything. There's nothing to hold us. There's nothing to hold us down whenever temptation comes our way. When you have that discipline, you have an anchor for your soul. You have something holding you and protecting you. There is safety in discipline. Paul told Timothy, his protege, in his letters to exercise himself or to discipline himself. He used the same Greek word here that is the root of the word that we use for gymnasium. Paul was telling Timothy that just as an athlete disciplines his body for success, we also must discipline our flesh for spiritual success. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul himself acknowledged that he had to exercise discipline lest he should be a castaway after preaching Christ to others. The word castaway here means not standing the test. It means it has been tested and it did not pass. Paul is saying that he must live a disciplined life so he can stand the test and be counted faithful one day. Howbeit that spiritual discipline and walking in the spirit are the keys we use to live sanctified lives. Our motives for following after these should always be a motive of love. That should be the motive of everything that we do. And whenever we're disciplining ourselves, whenever we're fasting, whenever we're praying, it should all be out of a love. It should not be out of fear. We, we, we understand that hell and heaven are a reality and that none of us want to go to hell here. We understand that. But our main motive to, to face temptation and to not sin should not be a fear of hell. Our main motive for staying sanctified and pure and holy should be because we love Christ and because we want to be more like him and we want to satisfy him. Love is the only motive that we should have when living our life disciplined and denying ourselves. We live, unfortunately, in an instant gratification culture, though. And if we live by the Bible, we must live separate from that culture. We still believe the Bible, right? Every single word, not a tot, jot or a tittle, shall pass away. We believe every single word in here, and this, and this word tells us that we are not of this world. We, we may be in the world, but we're not of the world, and we are not, we cannot cater to an instant gratification lifestyle. Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. We are not to let the world influence the church. We, the church, must influence the world by doing what is hard, but most importantly, by doing what is right just as Jesus did. Finally, Jesus defeated temptation with the word. Jesus was tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all 
enticing temptations that are common to all of us. We all have experienced these temptations in one capacity or another. But in all three temptations, Jesus responded with the word. The bishop preached a magnificent sermon on the word that, that goes perfectly with this, so I'm not going to exhaust this point. I highly recommend you go listen to it last week as he talks about the power of the word and, and living a sanctified life. But I will tell you that if Jesus used the scripture to respond to all temptations, that shows us how much power is in this word. If Jesus, all three temptations, he quoted scripture, that gives us a sign that there is power in the word and that it is a key to remaining sanctified and holy. The psalmist of one, uh, Psalms 119 said, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There we see another correlation between hiding God's word in our heart leads to not sinning. There's power in the word. It is through the word of God that we find strength to endure in this world. It is through the word of God that our lives, that we live our lives and deny sin when it knocks on the door. It is through the word that we find grace and mercy when we do make mistakes and mess up. And it's all through the word that we find those, those scriptures that speak to our souls where God is speaking to us through his logos, his word, his written word. The word is needed. We do not only need the, the written word though and, and I know that sounds weird at first, let me explain. But we do need this written word. We need to hide it in our heart. But we also need to know who wrote this book. We need what we call the rima. It's God speaking to us today. It's our lives. God has not stopped speaking despite what you may hear in other places and other uh, religions that believe that God stopped speaking in the New Testament. That is not true. And that's nowhere biblical. God still speaks today. God is still calling unto us today. God is calling unto you today. The majority of the problem is can we hear him or do we have too many things taking our attention away that we can't hear the still small voice of the God calling us. So we must not only know the book, but we need to know the author. Why is all this important? Why is all this deny temptation important? Many of you probably read this story. If you haven't, I'm glad we can show it to you for the first time. But why is this story important? Why is it important to know how to deny temptation? Because despite where anyone may be in their walk with God, we are all subject to this. We all fight this. Whether you've been in the church for 60 years or this is your first day in the church, you, we all face temptation. If the great apostle Paul said that he had to be disciplined himself so that he would not be a castaway, so that he would, so he would pass the test. If that same Paul, who this was in the height of his preaching and his ministry, if he said it was hard to do the right things because, you know, it, it, it's hard to do the right things, what he said, and it's easy to do the wrong things. If Paul said that, how much more do we have to fight? Do we have to battle? That the great apostle Paul said, I have to die daily. I'm not above this. I have not reached a point in my ministry that I am above temptation that I'm above being able to fall. None of us ever reach a point where we are no longer vulnerable to falling. We will never teach enough Bible study, sing enough songs, read enough books to get to a point where we are immune to the temptations of this world. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which we read to start this sermon that I drew my title from, Take Heed Lest Ye Fall. Before that, yeah, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I, I love the first part of that because what Paul is saying here is even those that think they're standing, even those that think they're in a good spot, even those that think they're in a healthy spot, take heed. That word take heed right there means to take caution, to take notice, to be vigilant, to be looking. Because no matter where you're at, he's saying be careful lest you fall. Paul is giving us a warning here 
that, that we should not be too overly confident that we are above the sins of this world in the, in the sense of falling into temptation. We should never think that we are at a high enough place. But he's saying, be careful. You have to keep watching. I don't care if you just preached. I don't care if you just taught a Bible study. I don't care if you just got out of church. You have to keep watching. You have to be careful. You can't give the enemy an inch because he'll take a mile. This chapter, though, started with speaking of the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness for 40 years wandering. That's what verses 1 to 10 in this chapter are. Paul talking about them. He writes that the Israelites made many mistakes and fell in those 40 years. There was idolatry, lust, fornication, and evil things that occurred and that they should be an example of what we should not do. I find it interesting that the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years and they fell into the temptation of the world. Jesus was taken into the wilderness for 40 days and he overcame all those temptations and he did not fall once as they did. Jesus showed us that we do not have to fall. In the garden, the first Adam was negligent and fell into temptation. Adam and Eve is what we're talking about here. The first Adam let temptation, let temptation win and it began the fall of humanity. He thrusted us into a world of sin. However, the second Adam came and was perfect throughout the temptation. And the second Adam came and gave us hope to escape sin. He gave fallen humanity a way to stand up and escape this world and one day live in eternity with him. He gave us power to deny temptation, to live a holy life, because he was made perfect, and he was perfect through all temptation for us, for you, for me. When Jesus got to those low points and he was tempted, I guarantee you on his mind, he was thinking, I'm doing it for them. I'm fighting for the church. I'm fighting because I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice that one day it can be filled with my spirit, my presence. Jesus was perfect for you and for me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, as I said, wherefore that let him think if he standeth, take heed lest he fall. We have to be vigilant. We have to take heed. Paul had the unfortunate experience of watching people fall away from the faith in his lifetime. One was named Demas. Demas was a fellow worker of Paul, and it can be proven that Demas was in Rome with Paul during his first and second imprisonments. We do not know the full extent of what Demas' role was in the church, but since we know he served along men like Mark and Luke and faithful men, we know he must have been considered a man who was faithful for some time. However, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Verse 10, Paul said this of Demas, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed, he left him. Paul feels the pain of betrayal from Demas, but perhaps even more painful was seeing a once faithful, devout Christian committed to the ministry fall into the temptation of this present world. Demas did not take heed and Demas did fall. And reading Paul's writings of an older man you can see the pain on the, on, on the paper from where he's seen people fall away from the faith because he warns young Timothy, who's his protege, he warns him with caution and instruction in, in many, many different phrases such as this, make full proof of your ministry, Timothy. Watch all things, Timothy. Pray fervently, Timothy. Do not take heed to false doctrines, Timothy, but instead take heed unto yourself into this doctrine. Don't let go, Timothy. Stay strong, Timothy. Paul writes these things to Timothy because he understands that the temptation of this world is strong and he does not want to see Timothy fall like he has seen others. He does not want to see Timothy become like Demas who fell. Asaph in Psalm 73 almost slipped and fell because he was envious of the success 
of the wicked people of this world. We've got to be careful, church. No matter where we're at in life, we've got to be careful. 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We must be vigilant. We must be sober-minded. We must have our eyes wide open looking. We cannot become apathetic. We cannot become lovers of this world. If you need a reminder, we are not of this world. We are aliens here. This is just but a moment. This is just but a vapor. We, we never really gonna realize how short our time is here, but we are only here for just a moment. We are not here to love this world and to fall in love with the things of this world. We must walk in the spirit. We must endure. We must fight daily. Musicians, you can come. I have seen too many people come to church on fire for God, filled with his spirit, who eventually fizzled out and fallen away because they didn't practice discipline, because they weren't consistent, because they didn't walk in the spirit, because they didn't study God's word. I've seen people fall away, unfortunately. I've seen mentors in my life who, who preached and reached to me fall away for false doctrines of this world, just like Paul warned Timothy, because they didn't take heed, because they weren't sober-minded, because they let the world influence them instead of they influence the world. And they begin to fall in love with the things of this world just as Demas did. We cannot be so careless as to let our guards down. We must not forget that we are here temporarily and that eternity is knocking on the door for each and every one of us. We must live holy lives like David, where even whenever David did make a mistake, he wasn't like Saul, but he said, God, create me a clean heart. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Renew within me a right spirit, is what David said. We all fall, we all make mistakes in that capacity, but we have to always say, I'm gonna get back up. And we can never fall too low as to start loving this world where we can never get back up. We must love God with all our heart, chase after him recklessly. And just as, and just as Jesus did, we must live a life of discipline and separation so that we may not fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, church. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation also make you a way to escape that you may bear it. God has given us the power to overcome temptation and he will never put you in a position where you cannot say no. You will never be in a position in your life and your walk with God where the temptation is too great. We must endure. We must remain faithful. We must stand on this faith and not give the adversary an inch, not give our flesh an inch. We must take heed, not being arrogant or too confident that we cannot fall, but acknowledging that we are all weak and that we are all sinners and we all need the strength of Christ to hold us up. You'll stand with me. Our theme for this year is others and is found in Jude verses 22 and 23. And we continue to reach for others, but we also take heed and are diligent to our own souls. Lest we preach to others and ourselves be a castaway, as Paul said. The verses immediately after our theme for this week is verse 24. In Jude verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory 
with exceeding joy. We look unto Christ this morning because he is the one who's able to keep us from falling. He is the one that will present us faultless before the presence of his glory. And we take heed by looking unto Jesus. We are cautious by keeping our eyes only on Jesus, not looking to the right or to the left or what this world has to offer, but just look unto Jesus. For altar call today, let's find a place to pray. I'll let you pray wherever you feel most comfortable. The altars are open, but I want us to begin to observe ourselves. See if there's anything within us that we need to put under the blood of Christ. If there's any, any sin within us, you can find forgiveness in the blood of Jesus this morning. We need to observe ourselves and then let us renew our commitment to God. Saying, God, I'm not leaving. I'm making up my mind. I'm staying on this word. I'm not leaving you, Lord. I'm not falling and renew our commitment to him. The Lord is calling us to deeper things. He's calling us to go deeper in him. He's calling us to live holy lives that are separate. God loves you and he does not want to see any of us fall. I don't want to see anybody in here fall. No matter where you're at in life, you have to take heed. You have to be careful. Like Naboth in his vineyard, there's some things that aren't worth giving up. And what we have is, worth not, is never worth giving up. We can never, ever, ever give away what we have within us. Let's find a place to pray right now and make up our mind. Recommit your lives to God right now. If you want to kneel at your seat, come to the altar. Lay everything down saying, God, I'm, re I'm recommitting my life to you right now. I'm not leaving you, Lord. I'm staying with you, Jesus. I'm going to live a life of discipline and I may be more like you. Keep us, Lord, from falling. We look unto you. We look unto you, Lord, the one who's able to protect us. Go deeper, go deeper.